Well, let's just pray for a moment. Father, we love you. We love you, Father. You desire to speak to our hearts today, to give us instruction and guide us and lead us into your truth. And so, Father, speak today. Whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do, have your way. Father, I thank you for your gracing and your anointing. You know I need you more than anything. Thank you, Father. Minister to our hearts. Holy Spirit, come. Amen. I'm going to talk this morning about relationships. And, uh, but in a different, in a different way. So, you know, February 14th is coming, Valentine's Day. But I'm going to talk about being single today instead. So all of you married people, no, don't shut your, don't shut your um, attention off because I got something for you too. The Holy Spirit will speak to us in any way. He'll speak to us through anything. So you can listen up. Plus... Couples, I'm pretty sure you may know one or two singles in your life that you can share this with. So, so we're going to talk about being single. Uh, the reason why God put this on my heart, and I think we might talk about relationships as the weeks go on, but um, the reason why is because culture, culture speaks to us. Culture has a way of telling us what's going on and how we should act and how we should live, but that's, that's not a good way, it's not a good thing to follow what culture is telling us to do. That's why God gave us the word of God so that we have guidelines for him to follow. So culture to single people will speak of how you should sleep with as many people as possible. Yeah, you should, you should sow your oats. I see people are getting uncomfortable. Culture, <laughs> culture will tell you that you need to be experienced, an experienced lover before you get married, just so that you're bringing something to the table. Culture will tell you that you should try each other out just to make sure that you're compatible. Culture will tell you that before you get married, you should hire strippers for one last time. And some of you are like, why is she talking about this at church? Well, you're watching it on TV. So why not talk about it in church and hear it from a biblical perspective, right? Come on, you see it. Even if you're like, I don't watch those kind of movies, it's on commercials, it's everywhere you look. It's the Super Bowl. And you know what, God, loves, I should, I'm not going to say it that way because it's going to come out real wrong. God ordained sex. I heard it said like this before, sex was there before sin was. He created it. You better, it's, it's not getting any better, so you just better keep, yes, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Culture perverted sex. But the church brought shame in where sex is concerned. 
Religion did. But I heard it said like this, the kingdom of God celebrates sex. The kingdom of God, because he created it. He said, be fruitful and multiply. How do you think, how do you think <laughs> that was about to happen, right? So there are godly principles that God has for single people. But also there's this too I want to talk about this morning. Is that culture, also even the church culture, will tell you that you need to get married. Because marriage is where it's at. So all throughout your life, they're asking you, so do, is there anyone special? Do you have anyone? Oh, how old are you? Are any plans to get married in the future? And so it builds this expectation in being single, oh, my life doesn't begin until I get married. Like God's plans and his purposes that he have for me, they don't start until marriage starts. And that's not true. And so right out of the gate, there's this pressure on, on people as soon as they, you know, get out of school. It's like, I got to find the one. I better get married I, because life doesn't begin until I get married and have babies. And that, that's not true. And I'm sorry if the church put that on you. Because there's a time and a season for everything where God even anoints and blesses singleness. And so we're going to look at being single this morning. Let me look at my notes here. Mm, this is a good point. So because the church or society or people or our parents have put on us that, that being married is where it's at, and they begin to put pressure on you to hurry up and get married, you then begin to think that that marriage or people is what completes you. And there's nobody that completes you. God does. God completes you. It's like that um, uh, Jerry Maguire movie, right? Where he walks in the room and he's talking to his girl and he's like, you complete me, right? And she's like, you had me at hello. You, stop it. No, no. She's like, shut up. Shut up. You had me at hello. Such a good part. I cry, but nobody completes you. Nobody completes you. God does. Um, I had this conversation with somebody not that long ago. And I've seen this often where people will, people will, leave their pursuit of God to pursue somebody else. And I was having this conversation with somebody just the other day. He was talking about how he would be just pursuing God, pursuing God, pursuing God. And then this girl would come into the picture and he would pursue the girl. Not that it's bad to pursue girls. Guys, pursue girls, that's good. But but leaving, leaving his attention and his focus completely, and he would take it and put it on this girl. And so he'd go after this girl, and, and then all of a sudden the girl would leave him, and he'd be depressed. So he'd go back to the presence of God, and then things would be going good, things would be going good. Oh, girl, 
and distracted, attention this way, and go after the girl. The girl leaves him. Again, he's depressed. And he said, it took me some time to recognize that it wasn't the girl leaving me that I was depressed. It was just that once, my, once the girl was gone and my distraction had nowhere to go is that I realized I was depressed because I'd left the presence of God. because I was looking for somebody else to complete me rather than the place of God who completes me. God completes me. And we often do the same thing where we begin to look for somebody to fill that place that only God can. And so God sets up parameters. He sets up guidelines for us that we're gonna look up today that, that you don't have to agree with but we're gonna look at the Word of God and we're gonna see what God has to say about it. But when God puts parameters and when he puts guidelines out, it's not just because he's doing it just because he's God and he felt like doing it one day. I know, do some guidelines for them and put some parameters up and make some rules just for fun. That's not why he does it. Everything that God does, he does for your own good, he does for your own safety, he does for your own growth. I remember one time, I think I might have shared this story with you before, I remember one time Shaylee and I, she was like three years old, and we went to the neighbor's house because the neighbors were having a yard sale, and so her and I go out there, and there wasn't anything, we look at the stuff, there wasn't anything that I wanted, so we go back to our house, and I turn around, and we're standing in the house, and Shaylee's got stuff in her hand. I'm like, where'd you get that stuff? And she's like, I took it. Like, you can't take stuff. That's stealing, right? You, you can't steal. And so we took it back, you know, and it's like, and so I had to teach her a lesson on stealing is bad because either you'll go to jail or somebody's going to punch you in the face, you know, for taking their stuff. You can't do it. So it was really cute because then for about three months after that, I'd walk through the store and she would yell at me, mom, don't steal the stuff. Mom, remember, we have to pay for the stuff. Mom, don't steal. It was like, oh my God. But you set up parameters, and I'm not doing it because I just want to do it for fun. I just want to give her some rules. I'm doing it because it's for her safety and it's for her own good. It's the same thing as you, don't, you, you tell your kids don't play in the street, right? For their safety and for their own good. The highest and best is that they don't get hit by a car. Shaylee did the same thing, not get hit by a car. She, uh, you know, you tell your kids don't touch the stove. The stove is hot. Don't touch the stove, the stove is hot. And Shaylee, one day, just right on it, just flat-palmed that stove and her hand was burnt. Now there's restoration and healing for those things, but the highest and best is that she follow the guidelines of don't touch the stove, you'll get burnt. So God puts these things up for us. And you can follow them or not, but his highest and best, he says, for you, my absolute best for you is to follow these guidelines. That's my best for you. So I'm going to say some things this morning. I don't want you to feel condemnation because that ain't coming from me. I would never, ever want to bring condemnation to you, and nor would God. Even more than me, nor would God. So don't feel that. If you feel that, it isn't from anyone here at all. But we're just going to look at what God's highest and best is. So we're going to go to Genesis 2 and start at the very beginning. 
Let me say this before I, st before I start. It's important to have standards in relationships because if you do if you do have a standard before if you do not have a standard before you get into a relationship, the relationship will then set the standard on which you will live by. So in other words, so if you don't have any standards when you go into a relationship, then it just it, you don't have anything, you will fall for anything. And so when somebody tries to lead you this way and there's no standard in your life or you're like, mm-mm, I don't live that way. I don't do those things. Then you'll just follow along. So it's important that we have standards that we live by. Culture will try to tell you to live by your feelings. That, that you should follow your feelings, follow your heart, live by them, do that. Whatever you're feeling, do that. Do not do that. Don't do that. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things, meaning that the heart will deceive you. The heart will try to deceive you. Guaranteed. So whenever you have feelings or desires or um, what else? Feelings, desires, any of those kind of things that come up, you should question your heart. You should question your motives. You should question, why am I feeling this way? Why do I want to go after this person that's no good? You, you should question your feelings. I know we talk about our heart here, and we talk about feelings, lots about you should know your heart. What's your heart saying? Yeah, you should, because it's, in, it's when those kind of things come up that you get to question yourself. Like, why am I angry right now and I want to punch somebody in the face? What's going on? Should you follow your feelings? No, no, you should not. You should question them. What's going on in my heart that makes me feel this way? Don't live by your feelings. Okay, Genesis 2. So, verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So, first of all, I want to point out that man was in the garden and he was single. He was by himself, right? Okay, nobody agrees. So again, verse 7, then God formed a man and put, <laughs> he was by himself. Let's skip down to verse 10 because the rest, the verses in between this are talking about what God is making and there's a garden and there's trees and all this kind of stuff. So then in verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from the tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that is what it was named. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. 
Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man, and the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she, has, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife and then becomes one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. All right, so starting us is Adam was single. He was a single man. And then the Bible says that he was in the garden. He was tending to the garden. He was caring for the garden. He was doing all the things. He knew his place. Adam, in his singleness, was learning who he was, what he was there for, what his place was, what his purpose was, all of those things. And in your singleness, that is your time. That's your time to know what's my purpose. Where am I going in life? What does God want for me? Where am I headed? What do I want? What's my passion? It's your time to find out those things so that when somebody comes along and says, hey, I want to be a gamer, and you're like, no, I want to be a traveler, this isn't going to work that you know where you're headed and what direction you're going in so that when someone else comes along, you can be like, you and I, we're headed two different directions. So that you don't find that out later on. Another part of your singleness is to find out your worth. What am I worth? What am I worthy of? Who does God say I am? This is so important. It's so important that you know your worth. So that when a guy, girls, comes along and he wants to put his hands on you, you could say, uh-uh, I'm, not, I'm worth more than that. Or when a guy is texting you in the middle of the night or sexting you in the middle of the night, wanting to get together but doesn't want to get together with you during the day, that's a booty call. And you're worth more than that. And so when you know your worth, you can say, no, you're not pursuing my heart, you're pursuing my body. And I'm worth more than that. Guys, same thing. When a girl comes, <laughs> I was about to start singing a song. When a girl comes and she's batting her eyes at you and she looks real cute, but she's got a nasty attitude or she's manipulating, you can say, I'm worth more than that. I don't deserve to be treated like that. You may be cute, but I'll pass. It's discovering in, those, in your singleness what my worth is. What do I deserve? I don't deserve to be treated like that. And you will stand your ground knowing this. This is why your singleness is important. This is why you need to make sure that you're not going from guy to guy or girl to girl, that you are recognizing who I am, what's my purpose, what's my passion, where am I headed, what am I worth? 
And so God gave Adam this time to develop these things in him. He knew his place. God gave him a place. That's what the Bible says. God gave him a place. God gave him a position. God gave him a passion. He knew where he was going. God wants to give you a vision in your singleness. When you, God wants you looking to him. He, he wants you to be getting your stuff from him so that you can fulfill the destiny that he has for your life. And your destiny, I will say this a hundred times this morning, your destiny does not begin when you get married. The person comes along to compliment. You compliment each other, but it does not begin when you're married. Long before you look at someone else, you need to know who you are. Because if someone comes along and they try to tell you how they want you to be, you can be like, mm-mm, that's not who I am. I ain't, gonna, I ain't gonna bend to those things. Now, when you get married, of course there's things that you compromise with each other. Like, I don't like when you leave your clothes on the floor. Or, you know, you know I don't like when you say that. Or you, there's those kinds of things that you compromise. But I'm talking about who you are. I'm talking about what you stand for what you believe, that when you get married, you know who you are because you will never be comfortable in the identity of somebody else. You will always be fighting that. And then the other thing is Adam walked with God. He knew who God was. He had a relationship with God. And this is so important because in your relationship with God, knowing who God is, that when you begin to date, when you begin to find a significant other, God can be like, uh-uh, that ain't the right one. Next. Swipe left, swipe right. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> but God can, be, God, can, God can lead you and guide you and say, uh-uh, this isn't right. And then the other thing is he can lead you and guide you in your dating or your marriage relationship, but we'll say for singles today, in your dating relationship that he, can, he knows what will trip you up. God knows exactly what's going to cause you to fall, to stumble, to, what's going to hook you, any of those things. God knows those things. And so when you're walking in relationship with him and you're asking him and he's leading and he's guiding you, he can tell you, this isn't right. Don't go here. Don't do that. This isn't good for you. And so it's important that you have that relationship. Also, God will tell you who you are, right? What's your place? All those things. In Matthew 26, verse 29, it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert of the law, tested him with the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself as yourself he's saying you gotta love you before you can love someone else super important because if you don't love you what's gonna happen is you're gonna walk into a relationship and you're going to want that person to be everything that you're missing 
Touch me more, talk to me more, be with me more. Don't ever leave me, be beside me. Where are you going? I want you around me. Tell me more, tell me how much you love. No, that ain't gonna work because they're never gonna love you enough because you actually just don't love you. And so you're gonna be looking for that, longing for that something that can only be fulfilled by you loving you. Now here's the crazy part, well the cool part, and sideline, you actually won't even be able to love somebody properly until you love yourself. But the beginning of the verse says, love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. And then it says, then love others as you love yourself. When you begin to love God with all of your heart, you then recognize just how much God loves you, just how much He thinks of you. In this place, loving God with all of your heart, focusing on Him, it's in this place that you find your worth, that you find out who you are, that you find your place, your position. It's in that place that you find, and then as you begin to see just how much God loves you and how important you are to God, it's in that place where you begin to learn to love yourself because you see yourself the way God sees you. Remember we talked about it last week, seek first and then all these things, everything that you need, everything your heart needs, everything your physical life needs, all those things are added to you. God wants relationship with you first and then others. And then the next one is Adam had guidelines. God gave Adam guidelines. He said, you can eat of all of the trees, but not that one. Don't touch that one. He put guidelines up for him, for his safety, for his good. Then also, I won't, in verse, I don't even know what verse, but we just read it. It says, then God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will build him a helper. I will make him a helper. I want to, you to notice that it didn't say it's not good for Adam to be lonely. Adam wasn't lonely. He was alone. A lot of times that we read it like that, that, oh, poor Adam was just so lonely in the garden. No, Adam was walking with God. He wasn't lonely. The word alone means this, not having someone else present. God was saying, it's not good for other people not to be around Adam. It's not good for him not to have someone else there. God is a relational God. It's who he is, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It begins with relationship. And so God was saying, it's not good for Adam not to have relationship with other people because it's who God is. He's a relational God. He wasn't saying it's not good for Adam to be lonely. Adam wasn't lonely. But a lot of times we go into relationship because we are lonely. And, and we go into it that place just looking for anyone to fill that void. Lonely is a dangerous place to be and begin looking for a partner because 
you're looking for them to fill something in you. You're looking and longing for them to fill that place in your life, again, that only God can fill. It's the only, it, that place is designed for God to fill. And so when you're lonely and you, you begin looking for a relationship, then you begin to fall for anything. You'll just take anything because I'm lonely. And then you begin to project on that person whatever it is that you need. This is why you come into a relationship as a whole, not as two, not as two halves trying to make a whole. You come in as complete as you possibly can, and boy, if you have worked on yourself, do not fall for somebody that hasn't been working on themselves. Don't, don't get to the place of loneliness where you fall for somebody that's broken. Girls, you can't fix it. You cannot fix broken. And girls have this tendency, we think we can fix them. You're not God. You're not God. You can't fix them. You sign up for brokenness. So Adam, or so God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will build him a helper. Relationships are not to complete you. We just talked about that. Relationships are not to complete you or to fill any voids in your life. Relationships are to come alongside to help you, not to complete you. They're to come alongside to build you up. They're to come alongside to push you into the, into the um, plans that God has for your life. They're to strengthen you. Relationships are to sharpen you. They're to build you up. They're for all of those things, but they are not to fill a void and they are not to complete you. That's God's job. So then, question, what are we doing holding on to relationships that aren't doing those things? If you're in a relationship, even friendship, even, even that circle. Your relationships should be pushing you towards God, towards your purpose, towards your destiny. But some of us, we stay stuck in relationships that are stealing our peace, that are keeping us from our destiny, that are holding us back. Those are not the relationships that God ordained for your life. Now, I know that there are some times where God will call me or call you into places where um, you know, somebody's in turmoil and it doesn't feel like a lot of peace, okay? And you go into that place and you're there for that time. But I'm talking about relationships that are causing you stress. Relationships that are negative. Those are not good places. And so in your singleness, if you're beginning to see someone or if you're dating someone or someone comes along and they are, and that relationship is not pushing you towards God, towards your destiny, strengthening you, building you up, it is not the relationship God has for you. Amen. <laughs> I love you guys.
Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm can be misleading, and beauty is vain, and so quickly fades. But the virtuous woman lives in the wonder and the awe and the fear of the Lord. She will be praised throughout eternity. Okay, it's talking about women, but we can put this both on both sides, okay? The charm, guys, girls can be really charming. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking bad about women, but I'm telling you, we know how to bat our eyes and be really charming. But it's misleading. Look for her character. Look past it, look, listen to me, look for her character. You do not want a woman who is manipulating, who's conniving, who's deceitful. Girls, look past his charm. He can say really nice things, girl, you're so cute. I just love the way you laugh. He just loves the way I laugh. That can be misleading. Look past it. This is what the verse is saying. And then it says, beauty is vain and quickly fades. She will not look like that forever. He will not look like that forever. He may be cute right now, but it ain't, it ain't gonna last. And I promise you, if she's ugly inside, it's really not gonna last. She ain't gonna be cute to you once you find out who she really is. So it says, but the virtuous woman lives in the wonder and the awe and the fear of the Lord. That's what you're looking for. Somebody who, who is enamored with who God is. You want to go after somebody who's following after God. You may think it doesn't matter right now. I promise you it matters. It matters. It does. You want to go after somebody who has character. You want to go after somebody who can be your friend. Because when the going gets tough, you need a friend, not a sex partner. And if sex has come before friendship, mm, it's going to be harder to find your friend in that relationship. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm saying it's going to be harder if your relationship is solely based on sex. And if a guy is initiating the relationship with sex first, I'm warning you, you should run. Because he's not after your heart. I'm just dropping truth bombs. <laughs> Better than F-bombs. <laughs> you want somebody who's following Jesus. I know I already said that. But uh, the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. Again, like I said, even at the beginning, you don't, have to, you don't have to believe me. You don't have to agree with me. I'm telling you what's in the Word. And, and God puts these things out, again, not to just be cruel and just be like, you shouldn't be unequally yoked because I said. He says it because it's going to be harder if you are. Yeah. 
If you are unequally yoked, which means you're married to an unbeliever, what's going to happen is you are signing up for, I wrote it down, so I need to look at the word. You are signing up for conflict. So what's going to happen is it may be fine right now. Or maybe you're not even serving God right now, but I promise you, you're going to one day. What's going to happen, the Bible says that uh, train up a child in the way they should go and when they're older, they won't depart from it. That doesn't mean you don't walk away. You may walk away from God. What happens is, is it's so ingrained in you that God just keeps speaking to you like this ain't you, honey. This isn't who you're called to be. This isn't what I've designed for you. You can't get away from it. That's what the verse is saying. You can't get away from it. It's in you. He's in you. And so you may not be serving God right now, but I promise you, it's in you. But if you are serving God and you think it doesn't matter right now, you're going to marry that person and the going is going to get tough. And you are going to begin to hold on to your faith and the other person is going to be like, going the opposite way. And there's going to be conflict. That, that's why God's saying it. Don't, don't be unequally yoked. It's not the best thing for you. Will it, could it work? Yeah, it could work. It's just not going to be. It's not the highest and best. Then verse 24, what time is it? Okay. All right, we're ending. Verse 24. That is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. When you, he, first he says he leaves his mother and father. So everyone, that means mom and dad don't join the marriage with you. Right? Don't do it. And so, and then he says, and they became united. When you, when you marry someone, you become united. You become joined. Two people become one. Hopefully two wholes become one. Okay? But what happens is all your stuff, junk, all their junk also become one. This is why you want to be whole before you get married. You don't want to be bringing in. Everyone has baggage. I'm not talking about everyone having to be perfect. You're never going to find a perfect person. If that's your expectation, it isn't happening. You will be single for the rest of your life. Enjoy. <laughs> I'm talking about you're, you have standards. You are working on yourself. You know what you want. You know who you are. You know your worth. You know the plans and purposes. And you're not going to fall for anything other than what God has told you. Yay! <laughs> That's awesome. Yay! <laughs> so you become one. And then it says, and him and they become one flesh. So also what you need to know is when you have sex with somebody, even outside of marriage all their stuff becomes your stuff. There's a soul tie that happens. This is why God says this isn't the best thing. It's just not the best thing. The best thing for you is to wait until you're married. This is the best thing for you. 
because then there's not all of this. You get to become friends first. You get to see the person's character. You get to know who they are. You're not carrying their baggage before time. You're not connected with them way before time. Okay. God help me with this. God created sex drive. He created a sex drive and as soon as you hit puberty, you have a sex drive. I heard another speaker say it like this. So he he created your sex drive on purpose. And then he said, it's best that you wait till you get married to have sex. So you have this sex drive and now you have to wait to get married. And the world would tell you, no, get it out of your system, do it. (laughs) And God says, highest and best is that you wait till you get married to have sex. But here's the thing, this is the most beautiful thing, is that on your wedding night, you get to present your virginity to your spouse as something that you fought for. That the world told me that I should give it away. I met a few people I really wanted to give it away. But I didn't, and so this is my gift to you. And I heard it said like this, that it's easy to give away something expensive when it didn't cost you anything. But when it costs you something, it means something. That it it means something, that I fought for this. This was mine. Now, if you're like, "Uh uh-oh, okay, well, I've already had sex, so. Okay, God's the restorer of all things. Remember we talked about touching the burner? He's still the healer and the restorer. He can restore that, but you could start today. You could start to protect your purity today and say, you know what? This is my body. This is my gift. I get to give this to somebody someday. I'm worth holding this back and keeping it as a gift to somebody when I get married. I give you my sexuality, I give you my purity. I held this for you. And this is the things that God designed to give to one another. I I had sex before I got married. Oh gosh. My husband's like, why'd you tell people that? (laughs) But I want to point out that it says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Adam and his wife were naked and they felt no shame. Oftentimes, almost always, whether you recognize it or not, or it comes along later on, there is shame when there is sex outside of marriage. It comes in, it just does because it wasn't ordained by God. And so even after I got married, I had to deal with the shame of having sex outside of marriage. Well, lots of people will tell you that. I've talked to lots of people that struggled with that. The shame of it. Because God ordained it to be something beautiful between couples. You don't need to try your person out before you, have, before you marry them. 
You don't need to, that's a lie. That's just not even truth. So you can start today to be like, you know what? I'm gonna keep my body for my spouse. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna keep my purity because I wanna give them something special on my wedding night. This is what God ordained. Amen? Amen. Well, Sean, you can come. But I want you to know that, you know, February 14th is coming up. And, and I think that God, honestly, God was like, I want you to talk about singleness. And like, ah, oh, that's really, I don't know what to say about that, you know. And, and I really think, you know, so many times we see February 14th, couples, 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 everyone needs a couple. And so the single people are like, well, what do I do with this? Hey, every, God has a season for every time. And this, if you're single, if you're not married and you are just dating right now, you're single. You did not make a commitment yet, you are single. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you, you, until you made that commitment, you need to understand that, that you can, you don't need to move forward. You can still work on yourself. You're single still. So anyways, February 14th is coming up. And there's no shame in your moment of being single at this time. There's a season for this. There's a grace for this. You get to know who you are. You get to figure out where you're going. God breathes on that. So don't ever put pressure on yourself to feel like I need to get married. I need to find a partner. You don't need to. All in God's time. Seek Him. Seek Him. John. Well, amen. That's a sober.